Welcome to the New Zionist Podcast, a brand new show from New Zionist Congress. I'm Noah Shufatinsky. I'm Isabella Hazan. And I'm Blake Flayton. We're your three hosts, and we're here to offer a new, young, and authentic take on all things Zionism, Jewish culture, Israel, and politics. This week, we'll be discussing the holiday of Tuba Av, Israeli politics, and Jewish and non-Jewish solidarity. But first, what is New Zionist Congress? We at NZC are here to build a space where young people can meet to discuss their passion for Jewish self-determination, learn about Jewish history, Israeli history, and contemporary Jewish issues. In the name of every Jew who has ever lit a candle in the darkness, we're here to build a bonfire. So please make sure to follow us on Twitter at New Zionist and on Instagram at New Zionist Congress. And please make sure to sign up and become an official member at NewZionist.org. I'm a proud part of the diaspora. In my heart, I hold Jerusalem and Africa. Kicked aside of our land and started gassing us. Till we put our foot down, cause we had enough. Check out the flag that I'm waving. Two blue stripes and a huge star, David. Check out the flag that I'm waving. Keep shooting rockets, but you never gonna take it. Well, you guys, celebration is in order because one third of us right now is in the Holy Land. You made it. You made it. Noah Shufatinsky, you are no longer a refusenik. You have been granted access into the Holy Land. How do you feel? This is like, I feel like this is Natan Sharansky's big moment in front of the Capitol <laughs> in, the, in the March for Soviet Jewry. You know, fear no evil. That's you. You made it finally. <laughs> I feel great. Melech Yisrael. Chai, chai. I'm toned up. I feel amazing. <laughs> you look amazing. Thank you. It's because that Middle Eastern sun is hitting me just right. Always. It's been great. Today was a phenomenal day. My English may or may not stop working at some point during the recording of this because I've been in like Hadera all day, running errands, eating piroshki. It's been great. There's like all these Russian stores. I could get all my favorite like Russian foods. There's a bunch of like Yemenite food here too. It's great. Everything's amazing. I'm just talking about food because that's the most important part of being in Israel. Well, this this month is Pride Month. Today is June 1st when we're recording this. And Tel Aviv Pride is world-renowned, so world-renowned that Neil Patrick Harris made an appearance. But I just... Tel Aviv Pride is definitely on my bucket list because I can't imagine a more special, more, I guess, rewarding experience than being amongst Jews and also being in an LGBT space. And one day I'll get there and I'm excited about it. I think that there is an explosion of young people right now in the diaspora in America who want to go to Israel not to make Aliyah or perhaps to make Aliyah but more so because we've seen over the past month just how badly and how necessary how necessary Israel is. And so I've been talking to people who have never held an interest in Israel in the past, have never really cared about Zionism, the extent of their Jewish identity is eating challah on Friday nights. It begins and ends there. And now they're like, oh, I want to go to Israel. I don't even know anybody there, but I really want to go and see what all of this fuss is about and see if I have a connection. And I'm like, listen, if there was one silver lining to come out of this atrocious month, these like batshit crazy last few weeks, it's the fact that I think a lot of young people have restored something in them that feels a connection to Israel. I feel like everybody really wants to go. And there's something unexplainable that Israel is really in our soul. I always say this. Israel is quite literally in our DNA, in our soul. And I just feel like young Jews in the diaspora 
first of all, Noah, we need you to make a new song now that you're not in the diaspora. We're waiting on it. Yeah. We need a song to bump to in Shabbat and when we all get there next year. No, God no, willing. this year. Come on. This year, this year, yeah. But Yala, yala. Like, come on. It's almost Tuba Av time. We'll get more into that. Like, you need to come here. I support you coming to the Pride and, like, staying here forever. Come on. Isabella, come on. Let's go. You can make it happen. That's right. Wait, Tuba Av is coming up soon. Is there any sort of festivities that happen in Israel during this beautiful holiday? So you know what's interesting? A lot of Jews know Valentine's Day. And I went. I was in Israel while Tuba Av was happening. And I was like, what's going on? Is it like Valentine's Day? Are Israelis like doing things their own way? Like what's happening? I was walking in the mall and someone offered me um, chocolates and a teddy bear. I'm like, and it was everywhere. Hearts, teddy bears, chocolates. I was like, what's going on? And I think Tubeav, it's such an amazing holiday to start off with it because it's a holiday of love, literally. And it's a holiday that's both ancient and modern. So there's not much that we do know about Tubeav. Like in the Talmud, it says the daughters of Jerusalem would go dance in the vineyards on the 15th of Av. And whoever didn't have a wife would go there and find himself a bride. Ooh. Where are these gardens? Let me put it in my Google Maps real quick. Yeah, Noah is dead set on going to one of these gardens. So um, can I go to one of the gardens? Of course. I think we can all go. Also, of course, the Jewish thing is always to make shiduchim. Like on Clubhouse. I don't know who tweeted that, but that was so funny. Like a bunch of Jews get on Clubhouse. And the first thing we do is make um, shiduch rooms. I think it was um, Isaac. Shoot your shot. Yeah, shoot your shot. <laughs> but speaking of being super Jewish and wanting to make shiduchim, I was just in Toronto. This Jewish mom comes up to me and goes, hi, I'm going to be your mother-in-law. And I was like, if it wasn't for all the Israeli flats, had I just heard that, I would have known I was at a Jewish event. That alone. Why did she <laughs> want to be your mother-in-law? I don't know. Jewish girl, I was oh, maybe I was going to speak, so she she liked me. But that's was she all she offering saying. her son to you? Oh yeah, she said she had two. She said she had two sons. I, ha- I had the choice. <laughs> that is really really funny that you mentioned that because I was in Crown Heights yesterday, right? Mm-hmm. And I was buying pants because I'm going to this snazzy dinner tonight. So I went into one of the Ooh. Hasidic shops where where they sell you know the traditional garments because I was like, oh, I can definitely get just nice black pants out of this. And I was in there and I looked at a pair of pants and they fit. And I was like, I want these. They're $50. That's a lot of money. I'm a, I am eat ramen noodles every single night. Okay. I don't, I don't have those types of funds. And so I was like, you know, is there any way I can get a discount? I'm a first time shopper. Like I can add my name to an email list, whatever. I just really need these pants. And the guy behind the counter goes, you know, you'd make an excellent fit for my daughter. Maybe if you stop by one of these nights uh, for Shabbos, like over the summer, we can make something work. But for now, yeah, I'll give them to you for 40. And I had this moral dilemma in my head, in my head, like the angel on one shoulder and the devil on one shoulder. It's like, all right, I know I need these pants for less money, but I'm not interested in his daughter for a number of reasons, but he's so sweet and I'm not 100% sure that he's serious. So I was like, you know what, sir? Absolutely. I'll introduce myself. (laughs) It'll be a great time. And I walked out of there with $10 off a really great pair of pants. (laughs) And a potential wife. And a potential wife. Listen, if I would 100% marry a Jewish girl, if that meant an unlimited supply of nice clothing for the rest of my life, that's definitely an (laughs) offer that I would entertain. <laughs> so funny. Have you guys heard of Meet Jew University? Speaking of two bits. Yes. My yeah. okay, made that. We need to shout them out. Like we're talking about all these Jewish Yiduchim. So shout out to Meet Jew, Aaron and Josh. You guys are great. Wait. 
Isabella, um, explain what Meet Jew is because people probably won't know. Okay, so Meet Jew is a Facebook group. I remember joining this group when there was like a hundred people in it. How many people are there in it now? Like at least a, a couple. Tens of thousands. Yeah, and there's like multiple though. groups too now. Yeah, now there's like different age groups too to keep it all kosher and like really strategizing and everything. So it's a Facebook group to make Shiduchim, but it's not like nerdy or, or anything. It's actually like young students who are making these Shiduchim for others. And it's successful. There's actually been like, like I see proposals and and couples being made all through Corona. I think it was originally called Corona Cutie, no? It was Meet Jew University, Find Your Corona Cutie. Yes. Aaron Ramey, you're a G. You're on the fast track to heaven. Aaron yes. Ramey is not only a yes. G, but he also is a great writer. He is. I love reading his stuff. And also Josh, his Ronium helps him out with this. So he's leading this too. Shout out the whole Meet Jew team. Another thing, actually, in Israel, I think like Tuba Av is a, is a very popular wedding day. It is. It's a good look. I, we, what do we have? Like seven weeks? Yala, where's the Shadchan? Find me my, like someone who's compatible so we can make it happen. Noah, go into the forest. Go into a garden <laughs> and just find women dancing around and just pick one. <laughs> you'll find me in no, Blake. We're going this year. <laughs> Isabella and I will be just prancing in the garden and you'll have to choose in between white. one of us. It's traditional to wear white. So you'll see us dancing in white. And uh, yeah, to so see you there 15th above, especially after uh, Fisha B'Av. It's so funny that it's placed this holiday, or they call it like a mini holiday, is placed on the 15th of Av because Av is when is a month where we fast, where we mourn the destruction of the temple. And then there's this little holiday of love that's placed right after. And it's really goes, I feel like it speaks to the Jewish story. Like Yom Yuzikagon right after those two days together. It's like always the comparison between love and light and darkness and light. And I think that Tubeav is a really great example because it's an ancient holiday that's now re-celebrated in Israel because it's a holiday that requires us to be on the land. And I think it's just a really beautiful way because it's all about love to decolonize our identity and to learn about who we are as a Jewish people and just to be proud because in times of darkness, we need to be proud of who we are and bring on the love, the two be'av and light and you know, make more Jewish shiduchim. So, you know, there are things in our community that circulate that a lot of people care about and things that we don't care about. And plot twist, we're always worrying about the wrong things. So here we are to set you straight at NZC about what should be filling your Twitter feed versus what should stay on your mom's Facebook feed. I, this week, am choosing to not care about If Not Now, our friends, our comrades over at If Not Now, once again saying Kaddish for Hamas terrorists in Gaza. This would not be the first time that our favorite organization has come under fire for doing the exact same thing, Um, but it has happened again. Uh, The Jerusalem Post even published a story on it saying an American anti-Zionist organization recited the mourners' Kaddish for terrorists killed in the recent Israel-Gaza military operation at a demonstration in Los Angeles last Thursday. If not now, a self-styled movement of Jews to end Israel's occupation and transform the American Jewish community held a demonstration in Los Angeles on May 28th, where members of the organization displayed a banner with the names of Palestinian and Israeli victims of the 11-day conflict. They also recited the Mourner's Kaddish, the Jewish prayer that is read for the death of a close person. Joe Trusman, a research analyst for the Foundation for Defense of Democracies, pointed out on Twitter that the names of several PIJ 
which is the Palestinian Islamic Jihad, and Hamas operatives were included in the list of people for whom, if not now, recited Kaddish. I think that the people who run this organization, the people who are promoting this organization, have made the same egregious errors over and over again. And I think the less attention that the broader, wider Jewish community pays toward the infamous flame emoji, the better off we're going to be. So I am choosing right now my hand to Hashem to not bring up, if not now, anymore on this podcast. Don't care about them. Don't give them attention. Um, We're not here to do that. We're here to uplift inspiring Zionist voices. What we should care about on the flip side is the fact that for the first time in 11 years, it's a very historic moment, for the first time in 11 years, it looks like Israel will be getting a new prime minister. Naftali Bennett, who is the leader of the Yamina party, the small right-wing party, and Yair Lapid, who is the leader of the center-left Yesh Atid party, which came in second place in the number of seats uh, allotted in the Knesset after the last election, have said that they will join a quote-unquote change coalition um, in order to oust Benjamin Netanyahu and end his premiership as prime minister, which is a seismic shift in Israeli politics because Israeli political life has been dominated for over a decade by one person. And there's people who say that, you know, the Likud under Benjamin Netanyahu kind of became a cult of personality around Bibi. And now that is ending. And so I think that there's people on both sides of the political spectrum in Israel who are optimistic because they see, you know, a right wing leader, at least for the first two years, because the way that the coalition was set up is, Bennett is going to be prime minister for the first two years, and then Lapid will take over for the next two years. I think even people who are nervous about Bennett, or on the flip side, people who are nervous about Lapid, are optimistic because, one, it means an end to Bibi, and an end to this kind of, as I said, cult of personality and and corruption that is oftentimes associated with with his government and Likud in general, Um, and a shift toward a government that is focused on getting things done, on actually creating policy, on making things less contentious in the Israeli body politic, and not posturing itself on constantly dividing people and not saying things that many people find polarizing. So, I mean, I've been talking to Israelis for the past two, two, three weeks, and they're, um, they're optimistic about it. People who are from the left, people from the right, they're, I think they're ready for a change. The question I, I have a little bit is, how do you think it will affect the actual like lives of people on the ground? I hope that it makes the right versus left divide less contentious and less severe. I hope that because it's a unity government, and it literally is because there are parties from across the spectrum involved in it, and should this coalition come to fruition, and should you know the Knesset vote to give it legitimacy, I think that the partisan rifts in Israeli society will hopefully be less profound than they were under Bibi. Um, And that might look like very simple things like less protests, you know, in, in front of uh, Bibi's home, like on Balfour street. Um, It might look like, you know, a little bit more integration within Israeli society between, you know, the Tel Aviv cosmopolitan and the Southern Israel, like nationalist 
there might be some more cooperation that can take place at the civic level on the ground. Um, And then also, I think there'll be more cooperation in the government itself because the most right-wing voices will be checked by the most left-wing voices. And the most left-wing voices will be, of course, checked and moderated by the most right-wing voices. And listen, I don't know if this is going to last because we can't imagine something like this happening in America, right? Like a like a like a parliamentary body that's governing us that's formed of people who could not be more different. So that there there are many Israelis who think that okay, sure, cool, they put together a coalition. We're still going to a fifth election because there's no way they're going to be able to agree on anything and that this is going to end in flames. That very well might happen, but I think we should give them the benefit of the doubt. Um especially because It's no small feat. This was a very long, arduous process. No one knew how it was exactly going to turn out. And by the way, it's still not set in stone. They call Benjamin Netanyahu Bibi the Wizard because he has a talent for pulling things out of his ass at the last second and clinging on to power. But I will say, the way that he's handled this is atrocious. I mean, he has said, let let me just pull up a quote for you. This was a speech he gave a couple days ago. I stand here tonight as a loyal representative of the public elected by two million voters who chose me to protect the people of Israel. They know my compass isn't broken. I heard Bennett. Bennett said hollow phrases. He's committed the fraud of the century. Naftali, your promises are empty as feathers. If people knew the truth, no one but yourself would have voted for you. The only thing he cares about is being prime minister. He flip-flopped three times. Bennett's empty words were to transfer the votes from the right to the left. We can still form a right-wing government if we take the unorthodox step of a government in which Sa'ar, Gideon Sa'ar, is PM first, then me, then Bennett. It's crooked, but a left-wing government is worse. Bennett says we can't have elections. He's not saying it because it's bad for Israel, but because he knows he'll be wiped out in another election. He only cares about himself and about being PM for two years. Don't form a left-wing government. It's a danger to Israel. Bibi is essentially framing the opposition coalition as like the doom, the death nail, the death knell of the Israelis. There's one point that does make sense in there is that people did not vote for Bennett. Bennett hardly got the seats when it was time to vote. And that is that feels weird that someone who was hardly elected by the Israeli people is going to leave the, the country because of this coalition system. That makes me feel weird. But I do think it's amazing that the left and the right are going to come together because I think this is a chance for dialogue and to make discussions and nobody has carte blanche. Everything is going to be checked, as you said, Blake. I think that's a very big positive that might even weigh out the cons of Naftali Bennett being dragged by international media. Because it's better for Israelis. What do we think this means about the Haredim in Israel? I just think the Haredim are rigid. They don't change their beliefs. They don't change their ideas. They're always stagnant. They're not They're not progressive. They're not evolving. So it's who's going to want to make a deal with them. I think that's what's going to boil down to because the Haredim are always going to be the same. But there was some progress made, no, recently, how they um they started doing some Haredi enlisting into the IDF, some like Israeli Orthodox like programs in the IDF. That was some progress in it, at least. But for the most part, I think they're just rigid. It's about who's going to go and try to make a coalition with them. I mean, I'm personally not for that level of religious involvement in the actual government itself, especially a government where the population is not necessarily following religion the same way. Um, as far as like the people, I mean, yeah, you've had like a lot of those examples of people from that community being integrated. I think that that's something that Yair Lapid has been pushing for and something that Lieberman has been pushing for in a lot less politically correct way. 
Um, but as far as integrating the Haredi community into the wider part of Israeli society, and that, but in order to do that, not necessarily capitulating to the party, the Haredi parties in Israel. And I think, um, especially like if Lieberman's going to be in charge of like financial and economic stuff as a minister, when it comes to some of like the tax breaks and tax cuts that the Haredi parties were able to leverage, I think that we're going to see a lot of changes with that. I think that to me, there's always going to be a disproportionate outcome or it's always going to look lopsided because I take very seriously the mantra of a Jewish and democratic state. And within that mantra of a Jewish and democratic state, and this goes back to Pride Month being this month, queer people should be able to get married in Israel. There should be in less and in more secular communities, there should be public transportation on Fridays and Saturdays, on Shabbat. I know that there is always going to be a marriage of sorts between theology and democracy in Israel because it's a Jewish state. And it's not, Israel's never going to be a kind of Herzl brainchild in its truest sense, being a completely secular country that, you know, is just, it's the Jewish nation and then it ends there. There's no influence of religion on politics and in government and in civil society. Um, but at the same time, I do think that just personally, that's the direction that I would like to see more. I'm uncomfortable with the amount of power that the rabbinate has. Um, it doesn't make me feel good, especially because I'm born from and I grew up in a classically liberal environment where church and state was something that was always beyond the pale. And I don't like a religious body having authority, having power in a liberal democracy like Israel wants us to believe that it is. I think the beauty in it is, is the conversation, it's the dialogue, and it's the back and forth because that's what a democracy is. I'm a proud part of the diaspora. Here at NZC, we love celebrating important and inspiring Jews and allies. But we also have to throw shade where shade is due. We call this segment our Heman and Habibis of the Week. Our Habibis are people who we admire and who we feel should be highlighted for their work and activism. Our Hemans, however, are people who are working against the common goals of the Jewish people. They're canceled, and we'd love for them to shut up and go away. So I'm going to start out with Haman, multiple Hamans, 600 Hamans. There are like 600, maybe even more musicians who signed on to some letter uh, saying that they want to boycott Israeli cultural institutions because of the typical blah, 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 apartheid, genocide, shtuyot, nonsense claims that we're used to hearing. Um, and honestly, we're all used to hearing that. I'm not going to go further into it because it's blatantly bigoted publicity stunt. It doesn't even deserve our collective energy as Jewish people when we have more important things to focus on, like love and tuba ab and the love we're about to give to our Habibi of the week. Habibi of the week is the Black Student Union at Concordia University. So that's a university in Montreal. Isabella, represent. Yeah, we represent. Shout out Montreal. Shout out Concordia University Black Student Union. Last week, they posted to raise awareness about Avera Mengistu, who's a black Jew from Israel, a black Israeli Jew, a civilian who's being held captive by Hamas and has been for six years. And it meant a lot to me personally to see 
someone actually speak up about this. I feel like a lot of Jewish institutions and a lot of black institutions haven't been speaking a lot about this issue. Um, and to see that someone was willing, even in such a, a crazy, like contentious time to go out on social media and post about it because uh, it's something that's important. That's obviously important to the black community. The fact that a black person is being held captive, a civilian is being punished for no reason um, by Hamas in Gaza, I think that it was really meaningful for me to see that someone was actually going to stand up for that. And that showed the example of what actual pan-African solidarity is. The fact that we recognize that we're black people, we have roots in Africa, and regardless of wherever we are, we're going to still stand up for our people, regardless of whatever crazy political situation is going around, even when it's something that's not seen as like hip and it definitely wasn't like they got some crazy comments basically trying to say that Avera Mengistu's life doesn't matter that his black life doesn't matter because of his citizenship uh, and despite all that they still went out there and they posted this and it made me even happier to see so many other Jewish institutions and Jewish leaders sharing that message so I really love to see that th solidarity and for that reason the black student union at Concordia, Concordia University is my Habibi of the week. So they even messaging message the Black Student Union messaged me saying, thank you for sharing. I was like, thank you for sharing. Are you kidding? And it was like so powerful. I was so happy to see that as well, especially because Concordia has a very strong history of, um, you know, uh, not, not the Black Student Union, obviously, but the university as a whole is a university that a lot of Jewish students don't feel safe at. Um, a lot of Jewish students don't want to go there. And I have some friends who've actually left that university because they were uncomfortable being Jews there. And um, I want to say that Concordia has been doing some and the Concordia Student Union as a whole and the Black Student Union have been doing an amazing job at making Jews feel safe again on campus and writing the wrong. I don't know if you guys saw Concordia University, the student union. They even wrote an apology letter on Instagram. For what? For allowing anti-Semitism to brew on their campus for so many years. Concordia University is like the Columbia of Canada. Coming from Montreal, it's literally Concordia's downtown. It's in the center. I always study there. And it was super, I was super proud to see it. But back to the good news, back to the Black Student Union being our Habibis, they even asked, um, they asked me if I wanted to be on a live with them and have a, someone who's pro-Palestinian and have more discussion and dialogue. And you know what? I'm going to reach out to them after and say, we shouted you out on our podcast. And if any of you guys wants to join, you're more than welcome. Yes, and let's get them on. Let's get the Black Student Union on at Concordia. Yeah, we should. Make it happen we definitely well. should. I'm really inspired that Concordia took those steps. I think that's why we're doing here is so important to highlight these stories and to highlight Abera Mengistu and to highlight the positive aspects. Unfortunately, in, it's courageous now to, to stand up for Israeli black lives, which is that sickening. But it's beautiful that there there's student unions who do so. Yeah, this is what everyone needs to be doing. This is what every black student union should be posting. This is what every Jewish student organization should be posting about like this. This needs awareness. Yeah, I want to see. I want to see the same way Gilad Shalit. I want to see the Gilad Shalit energy for Avera Mengistu. That's what I want to see from Jewish organizations and from everyone. Well, guys, I think that was a really interesting, great, and inspiring conversation. <laughs> Please make sure to tune in next week for the next episode of New Zionist Podcast, where we will finally be revealing the plans on how to get to the bottom of the basement in the Vatican to liberate the menorah. Please make sure to follow us on Instagram at New Zionist Congress, on Twitter at New Zionists, and please make sure to sign up to become official member of our organization 
at newzionists.org. That's newzionistsplural.org. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you, Isabella. Thank you, Noah. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Yala, to next week. See you guys later. I'm a proud part of the diaspora. In my heart, a whole Jerusalem in Africa. Kicked aside of our land and started gassing us. Till we put our foot down, cause we had enough. Check out the flag that I'm waving. Two blue stripes and a huge star, David. Check out the flag that I'm waving. Keep shooting rockets, but you never gonna take it.